and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most. <laughs> Luke Throop here for another wild, whimsical, wise sort of Wednesday for Torture Report 474. How to be the salt of the earth. Friends, uh, inspired by several recent meetings and late-night conversations, I just have some things to say today. So let's see here, you know, uh, how do we sift through the grift while we drift? How do we separate, connect, and align? How do we stand on the land and demand what our hearts know is righter than mind? What is the path to the vast that will last? Where is the end not in sight? Is it not in the plot and the rot now begot by the seeds of control and raw might? The mirror the sword, the weapon of word, the reflecting of truth from within gives rise to the light, to the sight, to the plight, to the sources whence solutions begin. <laughs> oh, friends, you know, uh, when it's hard to wrap my head around things, you know, when, when we've stretched out our minds to the max, sometimes, you know, there's a, there's a certain peace and clarity that comes when we take time to relax. And at times uh, when I'm grasping for the right words or the way to express something, poetry just kind of spontaneously pops out of nowhere and erupts some, uh, up into my mind, you know, splashes out into the reality of the perpetual unfolding moment of now. And such was the case this morning. Um, after having engaged with an incredible group of folks last night, great meeting uh, down at Murphy's Watering Hole, Murphy's Watering Hole down in Bingen, Washington, absolutely outstanding uh, atmosphere, outstanding service, outstanding food, and outstanding company as we gathered to discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in the age of political insanity. So having engaged in that conversation, my mind was just deeply stimulated stimulated this morning. You know, my, my heart had been stirred, my spirit had been ignited, you know, and I, I wonder, you know, I think we all experience, right? You, you, you know that feeling, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so I want to try to kind of wade into this conversation gently today, uh, because there's something I think very precious, very priceless about gathering together with other people, meeting and sharing a space as human beings, filling a room with thought and words and laughter. It's within this experience of authentic human connection, I believe that we find the secrets to solving our problems from the personal level turmoil all the way up to the societal chaos. These connections are key. And for that reason, friends, today I'm just going to kind of set the chaos and the political theater aside. You're going to hear it lots of other places, I know, you know. And instead, I want to focus on the practical strategies and the solutions that we can use, each of us independently and uh, collectively together, shall we say, at the personal and the local levels, we can use these strategies and solutions to incrementally enhance our chances of achieving success in our joint campaign against total global control and abject tyranny. Friends, this morning, contrary to popular belief, the Middle Eastern mayhem is not the most important thing. 
And neither is the clown show political circus selecting the Speaker of the House. I did put some screenshots in the report today, friends. If you're listening on a podcast platform, please know you just have to go to thetorchreport.com. Thetorchreport.com. Check it out. You'll see these spiffy screenshots of the powder keg. You know, uh, Europe erupts. It's up in security. Rising hostilities. Homeland warning. All. I mean, I just put a big X through it. Like, this is not the most important thing. Also out in the news, but not the most important thing, is the fact that Russia and China are now officially BFFs on the global stage. Putin and Xi Jinping, are they're, they're dear friends, and they're, they're wrapping up their Belt and Road Summit. Lots of stuff there. Now, the case could be made that all of these are important issues, and they will have an impact on the future of our country, absolutely. And that inevitably will impact us all, in predictable and in unforeseeable ways, both, uh, that's a case to be made. Yeah, we should talk about these things because they're important, Luke, right? Sure. You know, similarly, the case could be made that the local and national politics are, are like amongst the most important issues because this is how society hashes it out and they decide, we, you know, this is how we decide in society who makes the rules and what those rules are going to be. That's very, very important. Right? So, yeah, I mean, we should, we should be talking about these things, right? Yeah, sure. However, all that said, friends, I believe there is something altogether more important than any or all of these issues combined. The most important thing I submit for your consideration as a mere ignorant peasant, if you would hear me out here, the most important thing is the cultivation of direct and meaningful human interaction. Why? Why do I believe that the most important thing is the cultivation of direct and meaningful human interaction? I'll tell you why. It's because direct and meaningful human interaction is the ultimate solution. It's the ultimate solution. Direct and meaningful human interaction is the antithesis of the antidote to the strategy to divide and conquer us all. Direct human interaction is the proper prescription for tech addiction, for brainwashing, for groupthink. It's the remedy for the isolation and the loneliness and the fear and uncertainty that's being used to control us. Direct human interaction is the most impactful way to communicate the convictions of our heart, to plant the seeds of thought of change. Friends, direct human interaction is the only way for us to build bridges and break down walls, to knit the social fabric, to heal our communities. Direct human interaction is the most practical method of making a difference and having a positive impact, period. Okay? Now, for all of these reasons and more, you know, the facilitation and the cultivation of direct and meaningful human interaction, face-to-face, heart-to-heart, this is how we win the war for the battle, you know, the, 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 the war for the hearts and minds of humanity. Global war, battle for the hearts and minds of humanity, okay? It's the only way cultivating meaningful interaction is the only way that we can beat the machines. It's the only way we can overcome the algorithms. It's the only way that we can build the grassroots momentum that will be necessary for freedom to win. It's easy to understand. It's profound in its depth. And it's pretty simple to communicate, right? Direct and meaningful human interaction is the ultimate solution. Now, 
I know there are those of you in the audience who who burn with the warrior spirit. You have that flame of the warrior spirit in your heart, and I share that same warrior spirit. And so if you're thinking, Luke, you damn pacifist, friends, know this. All of what I've just said is the baseline for an effective tactical strategy. It is also the framework for an effective long-term campaign. In short, friends, we, we need to be cultivating direct human interactions. These words are not flowing from the heart of a pacifist, but instead they are streaming from the mind of a strategist. I care about winning. I have no intentions of losing. And if we're on the same team, please listen to me. This is what is most important. The solution is simple. Direct human interaction trumps technological advantage. Direct human interaction trumps political advantage, financial advantage. Direct human interaction trumps it all. That's why it's the ultimate solution. This is the root of the strategy, and it is a concept that can be widely applied, right? For example, uh, happening this week is the Global Future Council. Remember the WEF, they're getting together and they're talking about how everybody's going to live their life. And they've concluded their annual meeting today. And this is what they have to say. And I quote, Many of the actions needed to achieve net zero involve societal behavioral change, including how we heat our homes, how we travel and shop. Now, end quote. They're, they're saying... Achieving net zero requires societal behavioral change, including how we eat, how we, how we shop, how we travel, and all of that, and also what we eat and all of that. Friends, think about the implications of having a small group of global elites using weaponized AI and weaponized government to forcefully facilitate behavioral change at the societal level. They are openly discussing how they can use modern technology to manipulate the masses for the purpose of making the average peasant behave as they please. Okay, the global elites are going to change the way we heat our homes and how we travel and how we shop. And this will directly affect our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness in every conceivable way. And what's more, friends, they also intend to control what we eat, what, you know, what we think, how we vote, and even our sense of who we are as human beings. To convince the masses we're merely hackable animals, uh, useless, meat-eating, mouth-breathing peasants who are destroying the planet. Who are we again? No, we're incredible cosmic creatures. We're the only, the only creature on the planet uh, that, that's doing anything to save the planet. Okay, so humans are not the problem. Humans are the solution. At any rate, when you hear the words societal behavioral change, their words, not mine, societal behavioral change, understand that what they mean is they're not asking. Okay, they're going to do these things. They're already doing what must be done to initiate, to instigate, to facilitate these changes right now today. And they've been doing it for decades. And just to give you one, uh, one specific example, uh, this is also coming from the Global Future Council, but the U U UK, United Kingdom's Climate Change Committee, they estimate that 62% of the actions required to achieve the country's net zero targets will involve some element of behavioral change on a societal scale, period, 
End quote. Okay. Okay. We're going to try to get these goals, but we got to have some element of behavioral change on a societal scale. We must manipulate, coerce, and strong arm the masses to get them to do what we want. The point is this, friends. We are facing global scale societal engineering at its finest, fully infused with the advanced uh, tech, the, you know, the advanced artificial intelligence that's being fed, uh, really an incomprehensible amount of data that's being scraped and harvested by the whole global surveillance apparatus and all of this. But the point is that most people miss this point, right? Most people are going to keep missing this point that the global elites are, are manipulating the masses and, and how they're doing it, okay? Most people are going to continue to wander aimlessly through life toward that caustic abyss of total global control, completely unaware, unless we very intentionally wake them up. That is, unless we find a way to connect and to communicate in a meaningful way why this is a threat that threatens us all. It's so much bigger than the two-party platforms bickering and squabbling, okay? Global scale, psychological manipulation is not a conspiracy. It's a fact. And it's really easy to point it out if you, if you start thinking about it in terms of how can we uh, you know, plant the seeds of change, plant the seeds of thought that will lead to people changing their perspective and changing their behavior. This is what the globalists are doing. So we need to mirror that effort, okay? So if we're talking about global scale psychological manipulation, that's something that everybody should be kind of tuned into. And you can come at it, uh, it can be really approached from either end of the political spectrum. So if you're talking to somebody on the left side of the spectrum, you might invoke the threat of predatory practices by greedy corporations because they use all this, you know, massive ad campaigns and spending to make people buy unhealthy foods and stuff we don't need, right? And so people are like, oh, you're right. Yeah, all these greedy multinational corporations have these predatory practices and, and, and they're making people buy unhealthy foods and, and stuff they don't need. They're polluting the planet, right? Okay. So that's one way of building a bridge and starting a conversation. Similarly, from the right side, talking about the global scale psychological manipulation, we might consider how taxpayer-funded ad campaigns are being used to coerce the uptake of more toxic injections. Right? This is global scale, large scale psychological manipulation. And these things are, are kind of circulating in the back of people's minds, but they're not really being talked about that much. You know, from either angle, the real the issue is really the same. And that's that someone is messing with people's minds. But people aren't talking about that enough, right? Someone is messing with people's minds. Examples abound and are easily found, and they can quickly be scaled to the global level. However, as simple and straightforward as this conversation is, it's not a conversation that is commonly had. And that is the root of our problem. As recently discussed, if you've been with me, friends, you may recall discussing how the root of all our problems lies in thought. It's the errant thoughts floating through the nebulous of the collective public psyche that drive the distinctly detrimental behaviors that are rapidly eroding our societal stability today. That's happening. What's key to realize in all of that is that these thoughts are not just circulating by accident, right? Uh, it, it reminds me of being at a meeting here 
a, a, a local triumph where, you know, the small town crowd banded together, stood together, spoke together in opposition of uh, an outsider, you know, basically coming in, industrial solar coming in and, and just, you know, raping in the land, essentially, you know, just stealing the value of our natural resources here in the county. And there is big money, deep pockets, lots of lawyers pushing, pushing for this industrial solar project. And, but it was stopped in its tracks through local grassroots effort. And it, it came because people came out of the woodworks to stand together and, and say, no, you know, uh, we don't, we reject this idea. Okay. The question was, where does this idea come from? You think some farmer just sat around and thought, you know what, I'm just going to clear cut 4,000 acres of farmland and forest and put in a great big solar slum. Of course not. That idea came from somewhere. It came from somewhere outside, uh, outside influences. And so that pattern is playing out all over the place. And these thoughts are being introduced, you know, through both subtle and not so subtle suggestions, right? These thoughts are being disseminated by those who understand and who are wielding the power of language, the power of the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Okay, that's John 1.1 from the King James Version of the Bible. Okay, regardless of your political or religious affiliation or your lack thereof, that's fine. You can reject all of that. But there is a very profound truth concealed within that somewhat cryptic passage buried in that dusty collection of manuscripts that have been getting passed around for a thousand, you know, for, for thousands of years. So here's a thought. What if ancient rulers and church leaders had a deeper understanding of what those words meant. In the beginning was the word and the word was God. What if their understanding of those words gave them the ability to control people's behavior? Is that not societal behavioral change. The word was God. In the beginning was the word, the logos, the sound, the story, the narrative. Okay, you want to get into the Greek there. And the word was God. Many people think of God as the creator, and thus it might be helpful for us to think of language as a creative force in the universe. Language creates behavioral change. So last night, while having this conversation, uh, the great conversation with a group of people, you know, there was a, they happened to be talking to a nuclear scientist. And the conversation with this nuclear scientist had arrived at the gap between physical, a, a physical and a spiritual understanding of the universe and, and, and of what is, what's reality, what's real, right? And I was able to bridge that gap between the physical and the spiritual by articulating that infinite chain of awareness that connected my voice with his ears and, and all of the magic of that entire process. Yes, the brain is physical. The mental synapses are physical. The voice is physical, as are the ears. And yet, where does this language come from? Where do my words come from? Friends, I believe they flow from my heart. They flow from the solar plexus, from the spirit within, from, from my soul. Inspiration is a, a spiritual phenomenon. It's a spontaneous phenomenon. The ideas sprout into our consciousness, and it's through language that we manifest the, uh, the, our intentions and we impact the material world. And anyway, friends, alas, I see the time I wax philosophical here, but hence 
the call to be the salt of the earth, okay? Uh, Practically speaking, the words and the language that we use have the ability to make or break the future of society. And as many mar- any married person, any parent well knows, you know, so often it's not what we say, it's not the words so much as how we say it that can make or break the conversation. And again, you know, hence the call to be the salt of the earth because salt is flavorful. Salt is a preservative. Salt is a disinfectant. It can be used to initiate chemical reactions. Salt has a distinct molecular structure that serves many purposes, and you and I are much the same as salt. Friends, we are infinitely unique and wonderfully distinct, and we each serve many purposes as well. And at this particular juncture in time, I believe we must choose our words wisely, speak them sincerely, plant the seeds of liberation in the captive minds of the collective. We must do so intentionally through direct and meaningful interaction because this is where our words can work their special magic. Friends, this is how we can be the salt of the earth, and that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to the website, thetorchreport.com. Find the heart, click the heart, give me some love, subscribe if you have not subscribed already, and of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this wild, whimsical Wednesday, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.